Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to break down the film from the Jets' victory over the Denver Broncos in Week 5. And so to do that, we bring in our friend who does all the film for us over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet, the thunder from down under, Mr. Luke Grant. Luke, what's up, brother? I'm doing well, Scott. The Jets' season is alive. It would have been, you know flatlining if they lost to Denver last week. They got out of there with a big win. Obviously, the AVT injury puts a bit of a sour on it, but on the whole, a lot of positive things from this young roster, and you have to be excited about what the next month holds because outside of the Philly game, there's a lot of winnable fixtures there for the Jets, and they don't travel a whole lot in the next four weeks, so big opportunities. Jets will have plenty of on-paper winnable games coming up after the Eagles this Sunday. But before we get to that, let's talk about some of the things that went right and wrong in the game this past Sunday against the Denver Broncos. The Jets winning at 31-21 at mile high. And we'll start at the quarterback position. I didn't think Zach Wilson was quite as good as he was against Kansas City. And he certainly didn't light the stat sheet on fire. But when I watched, I saw a guy who has continued to improve in the areas of decisiveness, accuracy, clearly his completion percentage was higher. Didn't make as many back-breaking mistakes. He had that one interception. And even though I would argue the ball placement was bad, he should have thrown it to the back shoulder where either Garrett Wilson makes a play or it goes incomplete. I'm not going to get mad about him going to Garrett Wilson in that spot. It's just one of those situations where when you throw the ball where he threw it, you give Patrick Sertan a chance to make a play on a ball. And when you're talking about somebody like Patrick Sertan, who's probably a top three corner in the league, you'd like to avoid that in a situation where if there's no catch, you want it to go incomplete and kick a field goal. So I thought that was a mistake, the ball placement there. I didn't hate going to Garrett Wilson, though. And then you look at the rest of the game. That throw to Tyler Conklin was awesome. Incremental progress is what we're looking at here. More confident, standing in the pocket, not running away from pressure, not creating his own pressure. He hasn't been anywhere near as self-destructive He's gotten better in those key areas. Like we said, that third down throw to Tyler Conklin. There were some real there were some really nice passes in this game that throw to Garrett Wilson when Garrett ended up sliding onto his knees. Overall, I thought it was a solid performance. I thought he continued to improve. That's all you can reasonably ask for. 
Yeah, I think you're right, Scott. And the narrative around Zach Wilson is getting a little out of control. I'm, I'm glad you brought up what Damian Woody was saying because it was funny. He went on to say, you know, the Jets had so many chances in the red zone and people talk about play calling. But he then said in the comments, oh, there's going to be more clips. It's not just this one where he missed Tyler Conklin. And he went on to post no more clips because they didn't exist. He also said that the Jets hadn't gone run, run, pass, run, run, pass. The first time they were in the red zone, they passed it two out of the three times failed to mention the context that the Jets had a hold and a uh, false start and were suddenly in first and forever in the goal line. So I think there's always context. I think Nathaniel Hackett did Zach Wilson on the whole, no real favors. Look, yes, in the second half, the running game was pounding the Denver Broncos and Brees Hall was going crazy. But in the first half, when a lot of these issues were there, the Jets weren't running the football well and Zach Wilson wasn't put in the best situations. There's two key areas, Scott, that I want to focus on. You've already touched on one of them. Um, Zach Wilson on play action was absolutely outstanding. He was three for three in play action dropbacks against the Denver Broncos. He had 37 yards, the big time throw on that one to Garrett Wilson on the left sideline. And he had a PFF grade of 88 when looking at those play action passes. He is so effective. Anyone that listens to the podcast has listened to the YouTube channel, is on Twitter. They knew that Zach Wilson needed to be used more in play action And the other thing that works with that in conjunction is throwing the ball on first down. They did it so well against the Chiefs, Scott, and it felt like Nathaniel Hackett got a little bit scared to do it again. And yes, as I said, in the second half, they were running the football, but there were times when there were big opportunities and you could hear Matt Ryan begging for it in the commentary box and the numbers are there to back it up. Zach Wilson on first down was eight for 10, 56 yards, and also had two positive scrambles for 17 yards. He was super efficient. Like those are elite numbers when you put him in beneficial, advantageous situations. So there was obviously that great third down throw to Tyler Conklin. What I loved about that one, Scott, is he went to bail the pocket and leave, and he wanted to escape the pressure, but he just reset himself. He stayed just within the confines of the pocket and he fired that beautiful strike on a second read going from left to right. They are three big things for a quarterback, moving your eyes, moving your feet and resetting your base. It was great to see Zach Wilson do it. You mentioned the ball to to Garrett Wilson. Um, I just thought on the whole, it was a very safe performance, but that also aligned with the play calling. He completed 73% of um, passes. And look, I think the completion percentage is a poor way to look at and evaluate a quarterback in 2023 with all these different statistics and analytics and obviously what the tape says, but that's a step forward for Zach. He'd never completed more than 62% of passes in back-to-back games. He's completed over 70% against the Chiefs and the Broncos. So again, it's that whole crawl, walk, run. I think right now, Zach Wilson, the Jets offense are running. They've got Sorry, they're walking. They've got a little bit of a step to go before they start running and becoming, you know, a top 10 or 15 offense in the NFL. But right now, this unit can win games for the Jets. They aren't crippling the team anymore. And a lot of that comes down to the play of number two. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Let's talk a little bit more about the play calling. Some people have complained about it broadly. I thought it was fine in this game because Brees Hall was dominating. So with that being the case, you just ride Brees Hall and it's okay to lean mostly on the running game. I didn't hate what Nathaniel Hackett did broadly speaking, but in the red zone, I didn't like it. And like you said, the one time that they didn't just go run, run, pass was because a penalty put them in a position where they had no choice. They need to get a little bit more adventurous in the red zone. They need to be less predictable. I think that was the big shortcoming of the play calling. 
Yeah, I think though, Scott, it's easy to forget that the Jets only scored six offensive points in the first half. So they they were struggling on offense. And when was the one time, ironically, they didn't get points, but the one time they were rolling is when they let Zach Wilson throw on first down in the two-minute drill and they played with tempo. They were the two biggest things that were lacking in the first half. And yeah, look, as, as you said, have no issue with the second half play calling because Brees Hall was ripping off 10 yards a chunk. Even Dalvin Cook was looking dangerous. So... That wasn't an issue. You had control of the football game. You had control of the clock. Go for it. But I just think there was a lot of meat left on the bone in the first half. And Nathaniel Hackett looked a little bit scared on the road. And that disappointed me because I think you had a great opportunity to come out firing the football. And if Zach had another outstanding performance and he's flying high and then coming into a 425 time slot at home against Philly, I just think that's going to do wonders for him. So I thought they protected him and in doing so hurt him a little bit in the first half. And then the play calling, look, we both already touched on it. The fact that it was run, run, pass, but it was leaving Zach Wilson with third and eight in the tightest part of the football field. And that's just not what you want. It's when you're running the football well, like the Jets were, and on one particular drive, I'm pretty sure they ran for all 58 or 59 yards they had with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. You get in the red zone and the perfect way to score points is go play action or just straight drop back on first down because they're expecting run. The other thing is you can avoid the red zone altogether if you throw the ball on first down and you throw the ball deep off of play action looks. So I just think there were incremental improvements up until the Chiefs game. And then I think he took a step backwards against Denver. It wasn't disastrous, but I just thought there were some tweaks that he could definitely make. Let's talk offensive line, Luke. And I want to start playing a game when we do these film reviews. Some of the more highly rated Jets, according to PFF, I'm going to throw out their PFF grade and see if it matches what you thought. But I thought Elijah Vera Tucker was pretty good, especially when it came to blocking in the running game before he went out. And I thought the Jet offensive line mostly did a pretty good job. The guy that was ranked the highest for the Jets on the offensive line by a long shot was Mekhi Becton with a 77.9 ranking. I believe he was in the top 10 in both run grade and pass grade for this game for tackles. Talk to me about what you saw from the offensive line and did the Becton grade match what you saw? It really did, Scott. And it's funny, you mentioned PFF and grades and a lot of people had an issue with Brees Hall's grade because he had 198 all-purpose yards and was fantastic. But with PFF, they look at, did you make people miss or were there open lanes? And so many of Brees Hall's runs were because of number 77. Mackay Becton was superb on the left side. He's really lifted and elevated Lakin Tomlinson's game the last two or three weeks. Lakin was very shaky in weeks one and two. He has played significantly better once Mackay Becton has slid into left tackle. Um, he was an absolute road grader. He was just moving people out of the way, opening lanes. And I've said this all along. Mackay Becton, Becton might give up some sacks and penalties, but that isn't how you assess offensive line play. Just because you have two negative plays on the stat sheet doesn't mean that you aren't killing it for another 38 to 50 snaps in a game. So I think Mackay Becton was fantastic. His balance and movement skills for a 350, 360 pound athlete without trying to sound like Manesh and the Jets beat and trying to guess his weight. But I thought he was fantastic um, against the Broncos. Um, Joe Tippman struggled a little bit up front uh, in the passing game. Uh, he had some more pressures. I know he only had one pressure on 84 pass rushing uh, snaps coming into the game. I think he allowed four pressures against the Broncos. Um, that was probably the weak point for the Jets. But in saying that, 
on the Brees Hall touchdown on the first offensive snap of the second half, that was because of an incredible um, back backside block, seal block from Joe Tipman. So everyone played their part. I agree that Mackay was the best of the Jets' front five, I guess front six if you throw in Billy Turner and Max Mitchell and everything else that that went into that game. But altogether, um, it's exciting. I'm just happy for Mackay Becton because he's got so much criticism, Scott, and it's been about his weight. It's been about his motivation. It's been about his injury prone. He's not actually that good. The rookie season wasn't that impressive, and it's just bull. It really is. He's one of the most talented offensive linemen in the league, and if he gets consistency and continuity on the left side, I think he's going to be a force, and the Jets are going to either have to franchise him or extend him. Let's talk now about the passing game weapons, Luke. I thought Tyler Conklin had one of his better games. He had a great play on the reception that we talked about before where he dragged like six guys halfway across the field. This was not one of Garrett Wilson's better games. There were some missed opportunities for him in this one, but he did make his fair share of plays. What did you see overall from the passing game weapons? Yeah, I thought Tyler Conklin was outstanding. And it's super easy, like we all have, to point to that throw that Zach Wilson hit him on in the third quarter. For me, that was Conklin hitting a soft spot in a zone. I'm fairly sure that was zone coverage from memory. And Zach Wilson going through his reads. Excellent job. Good team offense. Nice play call from Nathaniel Hackett. But there was a snap in the first half where Tyler Conklin was running from the right-hand slot attached as almost a wide head into the line of scrimmage. And it was third and four, third and six, somewhere in that range. And the Jets had been struggling. He got one-on-one on a linebacker inside and gave him the filthiest shake and bake. Tyler Conklin is almost, uh, I'm always hesitant to say this, but very close to an elite route runner for the tight end position. He's a great athlete. And if you can get him in one more one-on-one matchups, isolated against safety and linebackers, he's going to have success. Like he duped this guy out of his shoes, Scott. I'm watching it at the moment. And the way he sold outside release and then put his foot in the ground and crossed his face on the slant was gorgeous. He had 10 yards of separation And if they can do that, that's another weapon that Zach Wilson is going to look to all day long in the red zone and on third down. Because on the money downs, it is to him or it's the number 17. Speaking of Garrett Wilson, I think you're right. There were a couple opportunities that he let slip. Um, There was one that was such a shame. Zach Wilson saw it. He had Garrett Wilson left sideline for a big touchdown deep down the field. And they just allowed a pressure from the left side of their line. Um, Unfortunately, Zach kind of got pressured as he threw it. Garrett Wilson couldn't haul it in. There was the interception to Satan. As as you said, I'm not here to defend Zach. That was the wrong shoulder. The correct look to try and hit that wheel out of motion, but he threw it inside. But at the same time, you ask Garrett Wilson, I am 100% sure he's saying he should have caught that football. Look at that ball he brought down against the Giants in the preseason, the one against the Bills in week one. He can make those plays. So he would have been disappointed with himself as well, just as Zach would have for the location of that ball. So all in all, I thought the weapons were fine. Like Zach Wilson, they weren't given an opportunity to excel, but I think they did the most or made the most of the majority of their opportunities. Luke Tyler Conklin, 74.7 PFF grade. Yes, no? Uh, to me, maybe even higher. I mean, I understand that PFF says that every play is the same. And that's why numbers, I think, miss a lot of human elements. A first down snap up 40 in a game is not worth the same as far as waiting as a third and six with the game on the line. I I understand that in the long run and with bigger sample sizes, you'll get consistency and you'll get the outcome with the numbers. But for me, from a coaching perspective and breaking these things down, big players step up in big moments. And I'm a believer of that. They don't have the same value. They don't have the same weight. Tyler Conklin was best on third down. He won in the red zone. 
he won when it mattered. And for me, that makes that performance even better than what PFF said. We have to talk about Brees Hall. We haven't gotten to him yet. I thought he was arguably the best player on the field, regardless of whatever PFF says. And by the way, PFF had him at a 73.5. I don't know what else he was supposed to do in this game. You saw everything you could have wanted from Brees Hall. And I love what Greg Rosenthal from the Around the NFL podcast had to say about Brees Hall. He said, watching Brees Hall reminds him a little bit of Chris Johnson. Now, people will say Chris Johnson had better straight line speed. Chris Johnson, a 4-2-4-40. And of course, Brees Hall, 4-3-9. Somebody please tell Tiki Barber. But... If you look at the way that both guys played running back, it was similar in that Chris Johnson would have those huge home run touchdowns, but also would get a lot of chunk plays. Every time he got the ball, you would think he'd be getting five, six yards at a minimum. That's what it feels like with Brees Hall. And to that point, Brees Hall had 177 rushing yards in this game. 72 of them came on that touchdown run, but that means he still had 105 yards even without that 72-yard touchdown run. So just a tremendous performance. And like I said, that's what you got to love about Brees Hall. He'll give you the home run, but he's also a guy that's going to get you those chunk plays. Yeah, 100%, Scott. Brees Hall settled himself, I believe it was yesterday, came out in his pressure and said, I should have scored three touchdowns against the Broncos. And you saw it on tape. I I mentioned running left. The Jets made a lot of space and a lot of room. And he is great at maximizing those, but he just got brought down twice by little ankle tackles by the Broncos' safeties. He is just so explosive, but it's the vision and the ability to jump cut. This is what I still can't believe we're seeing from a guy that's less than 12 months removed from an ACL, Scott. It is such a serious thing. The Jets obviously had their special talking about his road to recovery. One run really jumped out to me, and the Jets were running from right to left, and they It was all about his ability to make the first guy miss. There were two people in the hole, in the C-gap, outside of Mekhi Becton, and the way that Brees Hall just jump cut to his left, then beat the um, the corner coming off the edge and almost broke through the safety's tackle to take it to the house. It was just phenomenal. It looked like prime, you know, LT kind of gliding through the air, but this guy is literally coming off one of the most serious injuries for a running back, uh, and he's just overcome it so well. Um, we're going to see more of him as a pass catcher. I don't think we've really seen that yet. He had a couple of drops early in the season. I think it was against the Cowboys. And I think he's got an opportunity to really hone in on that and to utilize him more in the passing game. We saw it against Miami last year in week five, I think it was, maybe week six. So that's there as well. But, you know, we always reference, and, and you mentioned it then with PFF. I'll always remember, Scott, there was a game uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, Bilal Powell scored two touchdowns. One of them, he leapt over a defender, fell over, then got up and ran down and scored a touchdown. And PFF had him for like a grade of 70 because I said he didn't do anything above expectation. I think Brees Hall did plenty above what they expected him to. He had 194 all-purpose yards, and he's probably the Jets' best offensive player. And as Garrett Wilson said, he would have won Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. And I think there's a good chance if Hamlin doesn't play that he's going to win Comeback Player of the Year in 2023. 73.5. I'd say it should have been a little bit higher, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, anytime you rip off, um, I think it was eight or nine yards per carry, you have a 60-yard touchdown, you have three explosive plays, and you just dominate the clock for your football team in the second half, you've done more than you could have for your football team. 
Defensively, let's talk about the defensive line. John Franklin Myers, 72.8. Quinnen Williams, 75.9. Jermaine Johnson, 90.4. I thought this was a breakout game of sorts for Jermaine Johnson. He was all over the place. Bryce Huff had a bad penalty, but he continued his ascent. And obviously, as PFF said, and I think our eyes would tell us the same thing, Quinnen Williams and John Franklin Myers, really, really good in this game. Overall, I thought an excellent performance. They got pressure from beginning to end on Russell Wilson. Did a really good job. Yeah, they did. They moved Russell off his spot a lot. And then in the second half, they started to spy him. Um, they utilized a guy like Tony Adams at times. They utilized Quincy Williams, did some funky things on the back end then. So when they were playing these man coverage looks on third down, Russell Wilson couldn't just bail the pocket. But I think the two edge guys that stood out to me on the um, defensive line were Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff has had something like, I want to say, 14 pressures over the last two weeks, which is just absolutely ridiculous. He's playing more and more now, which is good to see because I wasn't really sure if he could really break outside of that minor role and playing that 15 to 20% of snaps on obvious passing roles um, and situations. Sorry, He has done that. Um, I know that PFF has come out and said that his pass rush win rate wasn't that good. A lot of them are clean up pressures or have come after a bit of time. But if there's big time plays to be made... So often it is Brees, um, Brees Hall, excuse me. Yeah, it's going to be Bryce Huff on third down. Um, Al Woods with a nice contribution to get the safety. Again, a bit of a delayed pressure, but that was good to see. But uh, look, PFF, I think, had it right. Jermaine Johnson, for me, had his best game of the season and was probably the Jets' best defensive player outside of the linebacking group. Um, his, his bull rush continues to be effective. Uh, his run defense is just, it's very close to elite. Um, and... He'd really struggled. Uh, Jermaine had a great preseason. I was super excited to see him in an extended role. And he's been playing nearly 70% of snaps, but hasn't really had the success. That was really an aha moment, I think, for him. Uh, I want to say he had maybe four pressures against the Broncos and, and definitely, um, I think, kind of justified the playing time that he's been getting from the Jets coaches. So all in all, another really good performance, but it's kind of forgotten when you look at the two guys behind them because Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley were just ridiculous. Speaking of Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams 74.0, C.J. Mosley 91.2, and Jamie and Sherwood 83.8, although Jamie and Sherwood didn't play a lot of snaps in this game, but still had a high grade when he was out there. But Mosley and Quincy Williams, those two guys were outstanding in this game. I thought this was yet another in a line of outstanding games this season for Quincy Williams. You and I were skeptical when Quincy Williams was re-signed this offseason, but he has turned into the linebacker that Jets coaches said he was going to be. I have to give credit to Jeff Ulbrich and Robert Sala. When Robert Sala was with the 49ers, he helped mold a young Fred Warner into one of the best linebackers in the NFL. With the Falcons, Jeff Ulbrich helped do the same with Foye Aluakon, and now it appears Quincy Williams is the next linebacker that they've got their hooks in, and he's getting better and better every week. Yeah, a lot of people are very quick to stick their hand up and tell you when they got something wrong. Uh, right, Scott? I, I, I was very wrong about Quincy Williams. I always thought, and I think I said it on last week's pod, that he was a flash, not a substance player. Lots of highlights, but lots of missed tackles and plays out of control. You're just not seeing that this year. He had one penalty. I know people will say, I don't really think he hit Russell Wilson in the end, but you just don't dive in at the quarterback when he slides. It was just a silly mistake. But outside of that, he was faultless. I mean, his ability and coverage has been 
exceptional. He has um, improved with his control sideline to sideline and not over-pursuing on plays. But what the real feature was, down the stretch, his ability to blitz. Now, the Jets are not a blitz-heavy team. They blitz around 23% of the time throughout the last two seasons. But Jeff Ulbrich has almost become quite predictable, Scott. If you look at week one against the Bills, the Jets didn't blitz very much. They gave Josh Allen hell. And then in the, the last two minutes, the, when the Bills went down and kicked a field goal, they started blitzing every single play. Well, we saw that again against the Broncos, but this time Quincy Williams got home on two huge sacks. Obviously, the ability to strip that ball out on the Brees Hall touchdown to seal the game, you love to see it. So a really well-rounded performance from Quincy Williams. CJ Mosley had found that step. I've said the last couple of weeks on the show, Scott, that he looked like maybe he's just, you know, started the season a little slow. Not that he's lost a step, but he's taking a while to get his feet back underneath him after a really busy and productive season last year. He found that. He had 13 combined tackles and assists through the game. I think it was seven tackles, six assists. Um, he was a huge feature of why the Jets' run defense was pretty good against the Broncos and improved. And then Jamie and Sherwood, I think, is a win for Joe Douglas. Not just drafting him, but letting go of Quan Alexander upset a lot of Jets fans. And I thought Quan was the, be the Jets' best linebacker last year, even though CJ was a second-team uh, All-Pro and Quincy obviously got the extension. But he let him walk. He went to Pittsburgh and... I watched the the Sherwood tape. It was very limited last year. I think he played 18 snaps, but he had 11 positive plays, and most of those came against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo last year. So he's really kind of shone on tape as well, so it's good to see. Let's talk about the defensive backs in this one. Sauce Gardner, a 74.6, and Bryce Hall wasn't one of the top defensive backs in the PFF rankings. I thought he did a lot better than anybody was expecting. You got to give credit to Jeff Ulbrich here, too. He and Robert Sala obviously put together a pretty good game plan that helped the Jets cover up the fact that they had their third string defensive back in there, a cornerback. And I thought the safeties did reasonably well, too. What'd you see when you looked at the tape of these guys? I, I just want to give flowers to Brees. Uh, sorry, to Bryce Hall. It's an absolute nightmare. Joe Douglas has got to stop drafting these players. Michael Carter and Brees Hall and Bryce Hall. It's a joke. But um, I, I thought that Hall was fantastic. He is a guy who I felt confident his rookie season, coming off the knee injury or the, the lower leg break, sorry, at Virginia, that he was going to be a steal in the draft. I thought he was a third round talent still. And he was a good cornerback too. The Jets' first season had a great pick against the Rams in that unfortunate Jets win that ended up missing us on Trevor Lawrence. But then he just imploded. Like the talent went away. He looked slow. In preseason, he was losing to wide receiver five and six and bottom of the depth chart guys to the point where I said after the last preseason game, I don't know how you keep Brees Hall. Now, I think he was fortunate that Moreland ended up getting injured um, and that kind of kept his spot. Also, Brandon Eccles was suspended for week one. He stuck on the roster. What a great way to bounce back. I mean, look, everyone's going to talk to the touchdown and the scoop and score. And that was a really nice pickup because we all know defensive backs don't have hands or else they'll be playing wide receiver. But outside of that, he had a couple of really nice reps against Cortland Sutton, uh, against Jerry Judy, he held more than his own. I, I think his grade was in the mid-60s. That was really impressive. I thought Tony Adams was picked on um, a little bit more than you'd like to see in the first half in particular. Uh, I thought they definitely took some shots at him um, and Russell Wilson took advantage of him, but he played better in the second half. I mentioned how he was utilized as more of a spy then as well. So that was pleasing. I thought he bounced back. Um, but the guy that, Scott, I made a video on this kid in the offseason, myself and Clayton, who we used to do the Play Like a Jet live show, he, we called him our guy. It was Michael Carter II. 
He's been one of the best slot corners in the NFL again this year. I know PFF only has him graded as like a 65 on the season, but I just think he's been phenomenal. He's a good run defender. He's got a tough head. He'll stick his nose anywhere. His zone coverage skills and vision are fantastic. And then he's also a plus athlete. This is a guy who also ran in the uh, high four threes coming out of Duke. So all in all, a really nice job from the Jets secondary. Source Gardner to shut down Cortland Sutton. I don't think he had a reception until the second half. Um, so that's great to see. He's responded really well to those kind of, I guess, poor games to his standard against Dallas um, and also early in the season against Buffalo. So tip of the cap to the secondary who was, you know, undermanned um, and they still came up trumps against what's been a really potent Denver offense. Luke, anything else that you noticed from watching the tape? I thought Robert Sala was a little bit passive. Uh, ironically, he's been one of the most aggressive head coaches with fake punts and going for it on fourth down. I thought there were some opportunities where if he trusted his offensive line and trusted Zach Wilson and Brees Hall, they could have shut this game out earlier. I thought he was a little bit defensive on the road, which I don't love. And when they're coming in against Philadelphia next week, you need to score points and you need to be aggressive. So uh, I, I always kind of look at the coaching. I thought something that... Um, Ulbrich doesn't get enough credit for, and look, Salah probably should get credit for this as well, is how well they adjust in the second half. Jets didn't play particularly well on defense in the first half and have not played good defense in the first quarter at all. So you've got to take some marks away there because when games are close early, the Jets are getting blown out on defense, but they are one of the best staffs in the NFL defensively of making adjustments at halftime. Like you have to tip your cap to them. I already mentioned how they started spying Russell Wilson when they were running man coverage. They mixed in more zone. They were exotic up fronts with their stunts. They do a really nice job of adapting to what they see and then implementing it easily. So obviously they've got very simple game plans and it's easy for the players to mix it up and to change that in the course of a game. So I want to give Ulbrich credit. I want Salah to be a more aggressive and I want Nathaniel Hackett to give Zach Wilson a chance on first down. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about the film from the Jets' victory over the Denver Broncos, 31-21. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out our videos over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet, what do we have up and what are we going to have up over the next couple of days? Yeah, so I've had a couple of weeks in MIA, Scott. I've had you know changing jobs and a few things happening at home, but I've got three videos coming out in the next three days. The first one is going to be looking at Zach Wilson and how he outplayed Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. I'm going to combine those because I missed the Chiefs game and look at the development of Zach Wilson after he was written off by almost every Jets fan in the world. And why when I was telling people not to panic after the Cowboys game, that message kind of is being heard now. We're going to have a video on Quincy Williams because I'm just so impressed by him and what he's doing. And then I'm going to have a Brees Hall video featuring Mekhi Becton and Joe Tipman. So excited to break down the offense because I haven't said that about the Jets very much in the last two seasons under Zach Wilson. So that's what's coming up. Um, we're going to be into more three to five videos a week coming to the season now. Get back into that rhythm and I'm pumped to break down some uh, some more Jets football and hopefully some more Jets wins. Make sure you check out everything that Luke is doing over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet, and follow him on Twitter as well. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com, and give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.